Good morning, everybody. How are you today? You really do look good. I agree with Pastor Brett. Why don't you look at somebody and say, you're looking good today. Yeah? If you didn't know that person, I know that was kind of creepy, so just you had permission to do that. Um, man, we're delighted you're here, delighted for those that are joining online as well. Today, we are in a series we began last week. We began Join the Team last week, and today's sort of the first part of that series. We had a guest speaker last week, and uh, Tony Stewart did a fabulous job, but um, can't wait to share with you from Second Chronicles, in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles chapter 20 today. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to look at the first, we're going to be in the entire chapter uh, this morning, but I want to read to you the first four verses and then the conclusion verses in uh, 27 and 28. So in verse 1, it says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Menuhites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Now, if you'd look at verses 27 and 28. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. And they marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps and lyres and trumpets. And they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. I'm going to talk to you this morning about what it takes to win. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful today for the opportunity to be able to open up your word, and I pray that as your word goes forth, Lord, not only would we read your word, would allow your word to read our hearts, Lord, to help us to give permission to the Holy Spirit to take your word and apply it accordingly to each of our hearts individually, the things that you would like for us to know and to do. And God, we thank you for that. As you anoint the word to go forth, anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive it so you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting when I think about winning and you talk about what it takes to win, I've never met anyone that says, you know, I, I really want to lose. I really want to fail. I really want to just sign me up for failure. Everybody wants to win at something. Everybody wants to succeed at something. But the question is, what is winning? Because there are books that are written all the time but that tell you about how to win in this area of your life. You've got coaches that'll write books about how to win. This is how we win as a team. And if you apply these principles to your life, they work everywhere. They're universal. They're transformative. You've got people who are specialists in um, family affairs and, and families, and they, they give advice on this. You'll have write books, or maybe they're Instagram uh, followers, and, and they are uh, writing to give you information and also inspiration about how to win in your family. Maybe it's at business. There are all sorts of things. But the real question is, how do you define a win? Because a win requires somewhat of a scoreboard. And I think in the world in which we live today, it's so random the scoreboards that we choose and we try to figure out, are we winning? You know, if you are in a sports league, then you can say, well, our team is winning because they're getting, you know, very victorious against other teams. Do you, is it the amount of money in your bank account? Is it the number of friendships that you have? Is it the number of connections that you have in business on LinkedIn? Is it something different? Is it something about, you know, your political party? What, what is the win for you? But as a, as a follower of Christ, when I talk about how to win, there's no important thing to win at than in the righteousness and the kingdom of God. 
You can have success in every other thing in this world, but if you get that wrong, you lose. In the Old Testament, there is this idea that the people of God, Israel, is a reflection of the kingdom of God and how God wants to show himself to be strong and to be mighty, but also to be gracious and to be merciful to the world around them. In the New Testament, that expands to not only include them, but everyone who's accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But in the Old Testament, we have this passage from a king leading the people in Judah. Now, there are Two parts of Israel at this point. Israel was one united country, and then they split into two divisions. One was called Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Of those that when they split, of all of the people who ruled, of all the kings, there were 39 of them, only eight were ever considered to be, as the scripture tells us, that did right in the sight of the Lord. That is not a great batting average. Only eight out of 39. Jehoshaphat was one of those. He made mistakes. He made alliances with other kings that he shouldn't have, and it cost him some things. But ultimately, he did right in the sight of the Lord. And this encounter that we have really shows us, from their point of view, for the people of God back then and the people of God today, what it takes to win, especially at what matters. The first thing I want you to do, there's four things I want you to see and one thing that I want you to observe. The first thing I want you to see in this and what it takes to win is there is a united cause. There's a united cause. In this scripture, there are three armies of three different nations coming against them. They're combining and they're coming against them. The southern part, the kingdom that we're talking about, Judah, is a very small nation. They are not large. They're not mighty by the strength of what you would see in regular warfare. And so as they are being attacked or the threat of attack, They are fearful of those attacks. And Jehoshaphat, the Bible even tells us, terrified by this news, begged the Lord for guidance. But then he ordered the people of God to fast and to come together and to seek the Lord's help. You see, there's a united cause for them. There's the threat of impending danger of a foreign enemy. Now, in our world today, there's a lot of things that happen that way. I mean, we've seen over the history of of World War II, there was a threat of impending danger where people bound together under a common cause. But can I just tell you something? Fear can cause people to unite together for a short window of time, but only a short window of time. What people will rally around and what lasts is hope. Not a false sense of hope, but hope that there is a hope beyond the circumstances that we face, beyond the schemes or the logic that I can can come up with, beyond the answers that I think that I can come up with. There's hope beyond human reasoning. There's hope beyond human power, and that hope is in the name of the Lord Jesus. As a matter of fact, as we read this, I'm going to read to you the prayer that Jehoshaphat prays to the Lord. And notice how he starts his prayer off. In verse five, it says, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are the powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? 
Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. And they said, and he's quoting Solomon here on the dedication, whenever we're faced with any calamity such as war, plague, famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored and we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. And now we see that the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave to us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not want know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Notice the very first thing he says is, you are the God, the alone, the God who is in heaven, and you are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth, powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. Before anything else, he sees the cause. He sees the threat. He sees the danger that's in his life. And this danger can be as a people. This can be as the people of God. It can be a danger to your family. It can be a danger to you personally. It can be something that's coming against you and your health. It can be something in your finances. When you feel that thing coming against you, you have to go back and realize that the, the thing that gives you purpose is that there is hope in Jesus Christ and that he is our God who is always on his throne, more powerful than we can imagine and stronger and there's no enemy that he ever faces. There's no sickness that you'll ever face. There's no circumstance that you'll ever face. There's no financial um, difficulty you'll ever face. There's no relational issue in your family or brokenness that Jesus Jesus Christ doesn't have the power and the authority to move in your life. And that is ultimately our hope that we have. And the united cause draws us together, but it's hope that keeps us. And there are some of you in this room, I know personally, and I know just from the number of people in this room, that you are struggling, you are facing so much difficulty. Can I tell you, your hope is in Jesus Christ. And as Brett prayed earlier, we turn and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the finisher, the completer of our faith. And he is enough. Amen? The second thing I want you to notice, and the reason I want you to notice this, is we often relegate this to just the New Testament. We often relegate this to just after the time that Jesus has ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit is poured out on his people. But I want you to notice, even in the Old Testament, one of the things that is so prominent in this is the moving of spiritual gifts in this particular moment, even in the Old Testament. Look at verses 13 and 14. It says, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. Now, that's a lot of names that you go, why all the names? It's because they're being very specific. They're not just saying, oh, and a word from the Lord just came from someone and encouraged us that day. It was it was this guy, and we know where he's from. We know how long he's been here. We know who his family is. You're from the, a lot of you. How many of you are actually from the South? You, I mean, like lived in the South. Okay, you know, you know. It's when you meet somebody, you want to know who their family is, right? 
right? So you, you, you kind of know where they're from. You want to have these six degrees of separation where you know where somebody's from. Can I just tell you something? They wrote this to understand the spirit of the Lord, the word of the Lord came through to the people of God through this particular individual. And you can go, as this was written, you can go check with him. You can go check with his family. You can check with anyone that's associated. See, the spiritual gift is operating through the word of the Lord at this moment. And in just a moment, we're going to read what the, what the word was and how their faith was built up in that. But here's what I need you to see. God's answer came through a spiritual means, through a word from the Lord. And the the important part of that is, is the fight that you're engaged in might have a human face or it might have a name to it that's associated. But what we fight right now, the things that we win for the righteousness and the kingdom of God, these are spiritual battles. The kingdom of God is not, not won and lost on a physical battlefield. It is spiritual warfare. That's why the scripture tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or worldly, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's important. Can I just tell you, this is why Jesus actually said something that seems so strange to us. Jesus said, to be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. That just feels like such a strange saying. You know what he's saying? You need to understand the way the world operates, but you don't live that way. You know the ways of the world, but you operate according to the kingdom principles. Can I just tell you something? You can't stoop to the tactics of unspiritual, unrighteous people and expect to rise above your circumstances. You have to live in a Christ-centered, spirit-filled way in, face of the thing, in the face of the things that are coming against you. Jesus did. The Bible tells us that Jesus, when they were throwing accusations at him, did not even utter a word, but let his actions and let the Spirit and the Father defend him. Can I just tell you something? If you're going to live a Christ-centered life, you're going to be attacked in this world. You're going to, people are going to say things about you. They're going to say wrong things about you. You're going to say false things about you. And you can't defend everything. You can't come back against everything. You have to allow the Spirit of God to cover you. Because the Bible tells us that even when they make accusations against the people of God, that the righteousness that they see in us will cause people to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you to walk around in timidity and be afraid of everybody. I'm not telling you to be a doormat for people either. Okay, this is not that. This is you operate according to the kingdom and the principles of God. So here's what it means. If I put my trust and my hope and my plans in God's hands, God will give the victory in his timing. I want you to hear that. God will give the victory. Everybody likes to amen. In his timing. Nobody likes that part. How many know that God operates on a different timetable than us? Can I just tell you something? I know God sometimes looks at me and kind of goes, you have no idea what you want, do you, Kurt? Because I will pray for something, I will pray for something, and I will pray for something, and I will say, hurry up, God, hurry up, God, hurry up, God. And then God just opens up the floodgates and gives me what I want, and then I go, whoa, I think you might need to slow down a little bit right here. Sometimes I think he just goes, what do you want? But if you understand that in his timing, it's perfect. 
Here's a great spiritual equation for you. God's ways plus God's timing will give you God's victory. And anything else is hollow. Anything else is hollow. The third thing I want you to see is that they had to implement faith. They had to implement faith. So I don't mean faith in a theoretical way. I don't mean you just read it and kind of go, yeah, 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 I believe what it says. Sometimes you have to take steps of faith and those steps of faith might require action or they might require worship on your part as if God has already done the thing he's promised to do. Look at verses 15 through 20. Here's the word that came and their response. The man said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem and listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them and you will find them coming up through the ascent at Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness, Jerul. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. And then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. And early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness to Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Faith requires believing what is not yet seen. It is the essence of faith. Faith is not show me something and I believe. Faith is I believe as God shows me something. That's faith. And sometimes faith means marching out. Like they had to take physical steps. They had to believe. The word of the Lord says, Stand still. I want you to go out to this place at this hour, at this junction, and I want you to then stand still and see that God is going to be victorious in this and see what the Lord can do. They had to physically take the army, even though they weren't going to engage in battle, they had to take the army to that place, knowing that if the enemy saw them and they, and they weren't, and, and God didn't show up, it could be destruction for them but they go out to the place, they wait, and they wait in faith to see the victory of the Lord. Sometimes it takes physical steps where you have to take a step of faith to do something. Sometimes that faith is simply rejoicing when you don't see it happening because God said it's gonna be so. See, when the Lord tells you he's your provider, that my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, when the bills are mounting up and the pressure's feeling great, sometimes you have to rejoice that God is still your provider. When you are, phys when you are physically feeling the after effects or, the, uh, or you're in the throes of a battle with the disease and you believe that the Lord God is able and willing to heal you, sometimes you've got to declare he's a healer even in the moments where you don't feel healed. Sometimes in the brokenness of your family, when you don't see things getting better, you've got to believe that God is still the God of reconciliation in your life. You've got to rejoice in those moments. 
And that's not always easy. Can I just be real open and honest with you this morning? Confession's good for the soul, it's bad for the reputation, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway. (laughs) This stuff is a lot easier to preach than it is to live. This past week, Pastor Brett and I were talking yesterday. This past week has been one of those weeks where I don't, I don't watch TV news much. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you not. I, that's not. I, in the mornings, I typically will get up and I've got several web pages that I will go to that just give me my news. And, and that's kind of all I do for the day. But it's just been story after story after story. Story of shootings at churches and schools and law enforcement officers being targeted and, and racial shootings and hatred. It's been stories of inflation it's been stories of economies that don't make sense, housing markets going like this and stock markets going like this. And, and it's, a, it's stories of food shortages among the most vulnerable. It's stories of people worried with fear and anxiety. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, what is going on? Why are you allowing all this to happen? And it was as if the Lord just, I don't know what he does with you, but he reminds me of things that he's already said. He reminded me that four years ago, he took me to a passage of scripture and asked me to lead this church through a process of retooling our ministries, renovating our spaces in order to get ready for the next thing that the Lord was going to do. And that passage he took me back to was Haggai chapter two. And this is what he says that spoke to me back then that he's reminding me of again. It says, in just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And the future glory of this temple will be greater than this past glory, says the Lord. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord, have spoken. And it was what I was always reading it. It's like words just started highlighting off the page. He says, I will once again shake the heavens and the earth. And I remember standing up four years ago and telling you, I see so many similarities between right now and the late 60s and early 70s, where there was a great distrust of institutions, of government, of religion. There was a sexual revolution going on. It was different, but there was a sexual revolution going on. There was a lot of anti-war things. There was a lack of respect for authority. There was a lot of animosity. There was a lot of fear. But in the midst of all of that, there came a charismatic revival. There came a hippie movement and a Jesus movement that millions upon millions came to Jesus Christ during that time. And as I was struggling this past week with what's going on, the Lord reminded me of the things I told you four years ago, that it's usually in the great shakings that God brings people into his kingdom. Because when they're comfortable, they stay where they are. And this is what he reminded me. He says, I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. Treasures are not gold. And so he does say, all the silver is mine, all the gold is mine, don't worry about that stuff. Do you know what treasures are in the kingdom of God? 
Do you know what Jesus said? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy them. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's not stock accounts. It's not 401ks. It is people. People are treasures. It's the reason why God emptied heaven of his most valuable treasure in Jesus Christ in order for you and I to know the relationship with God the Father. People are the most valuable treasure. And when this happens, God says, I will fill this place with treasure. And so as a man of God, as a people of God, I can't complain when the shaking is going on. I have to turn my eyes and say, the shaking is going on. Are we prepared? Am I prepared for the people that are going to have questions about the things that are going on? Are we prepared as a people for the, for the folks that are going to have questions about why is all this happening? Am I as a person, are we as a people ready to say, I know everything that's going on out there. I know the fear that you feel, the anxiety and the emotions and the worry that you feel, but there is hope and hope is not a concept or an ideal. Hope is a person and his name is Jesus. And it takes his people being ready. The final thing I want you to see that it takes to win, and I wish I could have put a spiritual name to this. I, I just couldn't come up with one. It's talent. Your talent. And all of you have a talent or an ability or a gifting. Notice what it says, starting in verse 21. I got to get out of Haggai and come back to Sacred Chronicles. Starting in verse 21, it says, After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. And the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. And not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. Notice in this entire recording of this history, the people that are involved in this victory. We have priests. We have Levites. We have a king. We have counselors to the king. We have singers. We have musicians. We have an army, all of them involved in the victory that the Lord gives. This is not the first time it records this. As a matter of fact, at the end of the book of First Chronicles, when it's talking about the reign of David, whom they consider to be the greatest king and the one that, that they patterned and believed the Messiah was going to come out, at the end of his reign, there are six pages of the Bible, five chapters as it talks about David's reign, 
Those five chapters list person after person after person, name after name after name from people who served in the temple to those who served in the army to those who served as administrators to serve those who served as leaders. Name after name for five chapters, it says, and of this great reign of King David, in essence, it's saying it wouldn't be possible without every one of these people. How important was it that the Bible said we need to record, God said in the Bible we need to record these names because every one of them is so important to the success of the kingdom of God. And that's what he believes about us. Your talent, your ability, your gifting is important in the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God wins, we all win. You know what it takes to win? It takes every one of us. I was, I was so ecstatic in the fall that the Braves won a World Series for the first time since 1995. I was so ecstatic in the fall. But a few weeks ago, I was just blown away as they had their on-field presentation with their rings and they presented all the players with the rings. But then in the days following that, I noticed that they had ring presentations in, all, in, in stadiums where they would visit other stadiums because some of their players weren't with them anymore. And they made a special effort to present in front of their new home crowd that they were World Series champions with their ring. There was one player that they presented with a ring in front of everybody to honor him in front of his new team, in front of his new city. He was on the team never made it in a game, never had an at-bat, never was a base runner, never got into the field, but they said, you get a ring because you were part of our team. Then they showed videos of them going around to the, all of their broadcast team, individually taking rings to the announcers and the broadcasters. Everybody in the organization got a ring. They didn't get a lesser ring. They got the same ring as all the stars because the victory was common. Everybody played a role. Can I just tell you something? The role you play is important in the kingdom. And I wanna encourage you today when you leave here, go find a place to serve. If you don't have one, find a place to serve. If you don't know your giftings or your passions, then sign up for North Life. You can get information as soon as the service is over with. Some of our grow team will be down here. You can find out your giftings, your passions. But it's not just about filling a position here. That's entry level. This is a doorway into a servant lifestyle. The same that Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. It transforms us from selfish individuals to those who view people the way God viewed them and to treat people the way God treats them and to serve people the way God serves them. The last part of the passage, I'm not even gonna read it to you, let me summarize it. It said, when all the nations surrounding them heard what God had done and how he did it, who he used, they all were filled with fear and reverence of the Lord. 
It's what happens when God's people work together for God's kingdom and God's purpose. The world recognizes it. The world takes notice and the world begins to revere and fear the Lord. What does it take to win? It takes all of us giving our all to Jesus and watching what he can do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Listen, if you're here this morning and you came in this place, you started watching online and you know things aren't right between you and the Lord. You say, I need to make that, I need, I need to make that right today. There's something tugging at you today, but you know that. There's nothing magical about this, but I just want you in your heart to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you came to this earth and you gave your life for our lives. Thank you that you paid the price for my sins. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins and the way I used to live. I also ask you to become the leader and the Lord of my life. I surrender the rest of my life to you. And as you do that, Lord, I know I'll find purpose and destiny according to your will. I'm gonna ask everyone in the room, just pray this prayer profession with me. Would you just say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, you know when you came in here, things aren't right between you and the Lord, but you say, today I've made the decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'm not here to embarrass you. I do want to pray for you this week. If that's you, would you just raise your hand really high? Let me see that for just a moment. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Keep him up just a moment. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're not alone. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Lord Jesus, thank you. Your sacrifice was enough. Your grace is sufficient. Thank you for lives that have been changed. Thank you for hope that has been restored. Thank you for the weight of sin and guilt that has been lifted off of the shoulders. And Lord, your peace and your glory is now invading their hearts and souls in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for us that as we leave this place right now, that you would be glorified in everything that we say and we do. For those that are in this room right now and they have needs, Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's an emotional need. Maybe it's, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's financial. Lord, I pray that you meet that need in the name of Jesus as only you can. I pray that they see you not only as their source, but also their ultimate hope. And I pray, Lord, that as you do that, Lord, their faith would be built up. Their testimony would be increased. And Lord, they would speak about your greatness to everyone they would come in contact with. God, use us today. Implement our gifts so that your name may be glorified. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Hey, can you celebrate with me today? Seven people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Amen, 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 amen. Listen, you made that decision. We are so proud of you. But more than that, the Bible says that they are celebrating in heaven because of what you just did. And if you made that decision today, or maybe in the last few weeks, and you'd like some information about how to get started on this walk with Jesus, or if you'd just like some more information about Mount Perrin North uh, getting involved here, there are some folks here that'll be at the very front of our grow team. They'll be able to answer any questions that you might have. I encourage you, go out. If you're not on a team, go find uh, in the atrium area. Go stop by some of the tables and meet some of the ministry leaders out there. Would love for you to be a part of that as well. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me if you would. Listen, this Tuesday is our primary. That is correct, right? 
All right, is our primary. I want to encourage you to, uh, if you've registered to vote, go, go vote, be a part of the process. If you have not registered to vote, go ahead and get registered for the general election, okay? Uh, if you'd like some information about how to do that, there's some um, cards at the stanchions on the way out. You can scan that QR code. It'll take you, take you directly to uh, the Secretary of State's site where you can register to vote. I want you to be a part of that process as well. You have the privilege of voting, okay? You have the responsibility to pray for God's will to be done Tuesday and in November. So I believe that God's people should be praying for God's will to be done. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to do that right now before we leave here. Father, we pray for the elections that are coming up. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, put men and women of righteousness in office who will seek your face, do your will. Lord, for those that may be in office right now that maybe they're not in that position, send counselors their way that will begin to speak truth into them, oh God. I pray, Lord, you know the processes that we have, the government that we have. You know the way that we are made, Lord. You work through it today, Lord, to bring your kingdom into, into place. And God, we thank you for what's going to happen in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hey, before you leave today, yeah, you can give the Lord praise. Do you believe something great's going to happen? Amen. Deuteronomy 6. 24 through 26 has a blessing that says when you speak it, it puts the name of Jesus on you. And I just want to speak that over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. You're dismissed. Love you. Have a great week.